Bruchim Abayim B'Shem Hashem Berachnuchim Beis Hashem. Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night cheer. Shalom is bracha, b'ashrachol hinda. Hashem, Arich Hashem Rishanim, Hashem long happy years. She went through a uh, procedure yesterday, and Hashem should bless her that she should, she and her husband should live and be well, and should raise their children. Let's see the change and take them all mitzvah to the chuppahs of the head. Shabbos Pashas A. Shabbos Mevarchim Chaydish El. Thirty-three years ago, Shabbos Mevarchim El, I merited to have the Aliyah of Shavi, the seventh Aliyah. I merited to stand next to the Rebbe for Maftir. Shabbos is off for the Shabbos before my wedding. Pashas A is 54 mitzvahs. When you will open your hand to give tzedakah, you should give him. To which Rashi comments, I feel calm upon him even if it's many times. And then when the Pasik says, 
you should give and repeatedly give. Rashi comments, I feel the mayor poem even a hundred times. <coughs> so obviously there's a discrepancy. Why even many times and why even many a hundred times? Before the Pasuk of Paseach Tiftach, before the Pasuk says, and you should open, the Pasuk says, Do not harden your heart, let your hand jump. So the Pasuk then tells you, you should open up. It's opening the heart of the person, which is sometimes very hard by some people, to open the heart of the person to give tzedakah. There's giving tzedakah because you have to, and there's giving tzedakah but save it upon him office. Tells us to Tater that although the person, after being commanded not to withhold your tzedakah, the Tater then tells you you should give the tzedakah with an open hand, with a good, with a smile. The second pasuk, however, refers to shikar v'shnas hashava. As we are coming now to Shnasa Shmita, and Verecha Verecha, your eyes will see. Vachicha Evyain, and the poor brother, when I sit and lay, he's not given him. No, Saint and Lay should give him. So therefore, Rashi is telling us that at this point of giving, person should give even a hundred times. When a person's heart has to be opened up several times is good enough. Can't tell him to a hundred times. He's just opening up. He's just starting to learn how to give it to the We're dealing with Rabbi Akiva this week. Don't ask me why. Rabbi Akiva had an issue with the Tunus Rufus, with the emperor. And this emperor had all these random questions about Torah, mitzvahs. One such question was tzedakah. He says, really? The Jews should be put to death for giving tzedakah. Why? He says, if I had a servant that was not faithful to me, and I threw him into prison and I said let him starve to death and I would find out somebody was feeding him I'd kill the person how dare you feed the the guy I said not to feed so therefore if God decreed that this person be poor how dare you feed him how dare you come off to feed him? Shadr Akiva. What if you got angry at your prince? At your only son, the prince. If you got angry at him and you threw him into prison, you said nobody should feed him. Nobody should feed him. You should starve to death. Where's the other coin? Where's the other one? Oh, both. He should starve to death. And then, 
you calm down a few days later, a week later, and you wanted to take your son out of prison, but surely after a week of starvation he must be dead. But you find out, no, somebody's been feeding him, in spite of what you said that he should starve. No? What would you do? Say, I'd reward the guy, handsomely of course. He saved the king, he saved the prince. Sorry, I left out that Tanasif has quoted a pasuk in the Torah that says, That to me the Jews are slaves, says God. And based on that, he says, the servant that was disloyal and that was told, was sentenced to starvation, is like the servant, the Jews being a servant. And Akiva said, though, the pasuk says, "Banim atem l'Hashem alekechem." That truthfully, we are children of God. We're just like the only child, and just like if your son, the prince, the only child prince, would be in danger of starving to death, you would reward the person from saving them. So too, tzedakah is a mitzvah that saves the Jew. Is a mitzvah that you are saving the only child of God. Each and every Jew is considered like an only only son. How random. It's a random mitzvah. Bottom line. Mishnah tells us, Who is a rich person? Someone who is happy with his lot. Why? Isn't there a mitzvah, instead of giving tzedakah to the poor person, why don't we make a mitzvah, educate the poor person, that he should be a usher, he should be happy with his lot. Why are we allowing him luxuries, why are we giving him things, and helping him and supporting him, we should be starving him, and teaching him how to cope with it. And how to get away with it, get along with it. What is so great about mitzvah tzedakah? The Rebbe Rashab was a little boy, fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, and his father came to him to wake him up in the morning, the Rebbe Marash, and asked him, did you have a dream? So Rashab said, actually I did. He says, who was in the dream? And he described the people that were in the dream. To which the Rebbe, and then he said that one of them told him, I want to tell you a Dvar Torah, and I want to tell you a story. And he described what that person, this talk, this, this teller, the the teacher, what he looked like. And his father told him that was the Baal Shem Tov. And the Baal Shem Tov told him the following Dvar Torah.
second. Okay. No. Answer. The Balshantav told him the following Dvartera. The Mishnah says in Pirkei Aves, Ezau Giber Hakavish is Yitzrayim. Who is the strong man? One that conquers his Yitzhara. Technically, they should say, who is a strong person? The one who kills his Yitzhara. Who eradicates, who destroys his Yitzhara. What do you mean if he only conquers him? Why only conquers him? And the Bashemtav explained... That to destroy, to eradicate is not an Indian. It's not a way of doing things. What one needs to do is, one needs to take the Yitzhahara and explain to the Yitzhahara what he has to do, how he has to behave, how he has to act, how he has to coexist, and how he has to allow to live and let live. Then the Bashanta began to tell him a story. Shanta says, when I was about 20 years old, I had joined a group of Lamedvav Tzadikim. Tzadikim is starting. Thank you. Son is telling this to the father. Shanta told him that when he was 20 years old, he joined a group of Tzadikim Nistarim, hidden Tzadikim. And they arrived in a city called Brody. When they arrived in Brody, they saw a very interesting sight. They saw an older Jew carrying a whole a heavy bundle. And the people were laughing at him. And they were calling him Herschel at Sigale. Herschel the goat. And they were laughing, go ahead, Heshel, slap another bag, bring, bring, carry another bag, slap something else. And Heshel said, I will, I will, thank you, thank you, God should bless you. But another thing they saw about Heshel was on top of Heshel's head was a pillar of light, which they were very sure nobody else saw. But he looked like a very simple person. So how is it possible such a simple person should have this pillar of light over his head? So when Herschel walked away, the Baal started going over to the people and started asking about Herschel, who is he, what is he? And we said, Herschel is a widower. His wife died about 10 years before. And he, for a living, he carries bundles for people. He makes a few pennies here, a few pennies there. So what does he do with his money already? He has a bunch of goats. And he feeds the goats. That's his whole pride. He feeds goats. No. No matter what, who, and why the Balshantav asked, he could not get anything, any hint that this Herschel was anything special. Definitely not somebody who merits this beam of light over his head. Finally, Balshantav figured he's got to get into the guy's house. But he's got to ask the guy himself. So Balshantav decided he's going to fast. 
the first three days of the week he would fast, drink only water. And he would do this, he would drink only water at night, and he would do this until it's revealed to him who this Heshel is and why he has this ray of light over his head. No. After the first set of three, Shefta was weary, he was hungry, he was tired. And lo and behold, he finds himself face to face with Heshel. And he says, Shalom Aleichem Rebid. He says, would you perhaps have some food for me? I'm very hungry. And Heshel said, yes, please come to my house. Please. And the Bashemta says he walked for about an hour with him to the outskirts of the town, to the outskirts of the woods. And he came to this rickety shed. When they opened the door, the goats, four or five goats, just started jumping on Heshel. They were so happy to see him. Heshel cleared away a place and he asked the Bashem to sit down. He immediately milked one of the goats and gave the Bashem to a glass of goat milk. Fresh goat milk, which is apparently very, very healthy. Don't try this at home. <laughs> and uh, I know a guy who has goats in Jersey. I don't know where he is now. He was moved, I heard, but he used to come to Crown Heights every week, once a week, and deliver fresh goat milk. Oh, that's so the whole Brooklyn used to come, yeah. I think I know the guy. Okay. So does he come. He's a good friend of mine. He's a safer also. Anyway, he gave him the glass of milk, and then after a while, he gave him a second glass. And the Bashamtas asked him, Who are you? What is your story? So Herschel told him the following. He says, Ten years ago, Nashvakanim Gedach, his wife had passed away. And when his wife passed away, his wife was a very, very good person, a very kind person, always helping, always doing whoever she can give a hand to, whatever she could do for somebody, she was always there. Very big Baal Tzedakah. Baal Tzedakah. He says, after the Shiva, his wife came to him in a dream. And his wife said, Hashley used to know, I didn't go through any Chibot kever. I didn't go through any kind of pains, any kind of anything, no purification process, all the Nishamas from all the people that I used to help and I used to look after came to the to greet me and they pulled me straight into Ganadin. She says, Herschel, learn a lesson. Here in heaven there's nothing more important than Avas Yisrael, loving a fellow Jew and doing tzedakah. Nothing more important. Make sure you follow up on this. At which point I immediately went and I bought a bunch of goats and I feed these goats and I milk them and I bring them to the people that need milk. Families, children, or sick people that need goat's milk. And that's what I do. That's my mitzvah. I've been doing this for years and I haven't heard from my wife. This last night... I heard from my wife, and my wife told me that there's going to be a tzaddik that's going to come to the house. And when I met you, I knew, understood right away, it must be you. And so I was very happy and excited to bring you to the house. No. Heschel said, 
There's only one thing, and the Baal Shem tried to offer him payment, tried to offer him money for the milk, and he refused to take it. He said, there's one thing that you could do for me. I can barely read Hebrew. I want to learn Torah. I have a very strong yearning for learning Torah. So the Hashem said, I'll get back to you. And the Hashem met up again with the other tzaddikim that he was traveling with, and they all decided that they could undertake to teach Herschel Torah. And they stuck around one year, two years, three years. Now, let me give you a little uh, introduction to the ignoramus of yesteryear. The ignoramus of yesteryear had no talent. They could not read letters. They probably would have been this, you know, given today labels of special need, dysfunctional, or, or, or uh, ADD, or, or uh, dyslexic, or there's, there's, I'm sure, a slew of diseases that they would be blessed with today. But in those days they were just called an Amar, it's a simple person. And they tried and they learned with him and they learned with him for three years straight and suddenly the Avishta benched them and his mind opened up. His mind opened up and he was starting to learn Tata. And understanding, grasping, remembering, he was becoming a Torah scholar. And they went all out and they taught him Kabbalah and Zayar and Gemara, Halacha, everything and he absorbed it and he himself became a very, very, very holy man. And he moved away from Brody and he moved to a town called Astropil. But he went to Astropil as incognito, as a tzaddik nister. He had his goats, he did his mitzvahs, he did his mitzvahs and he lived in Astrapel. No, 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 no. It's a very important story. Good. And in Astrapel, not Snapple, Astrapel. In Astrapel, he lived his last years. He gave the people goat's milk also there. He helped out people. But when ultimately. Herschel never passed away. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody really found any special thing about him. And the rabbi had to put together, had to scrape together a minion to come to the Leviathan. He never had no children. And the neshama of this holy, holy tzaddik came to Maila. And there was a terrible, terrible decree on the city of Astrapol. Because the Shemayim, they started screaming that what's going on here? A tzaddik like this should have had a royal leviah. And what did he have? He barely had a minion. What kind of people are these? And there's a terrible decree was put on this town. Said the Balshemtiv, I davened, all the Lamedvav Tzadikim davened to save this town and there was nothing happening they could not do it and as the decree was about to be passed and the Malach Mavis was about to be sent down dispatched there was a voice that was heard in Ganeidi it was the wife of Heschel 
the wife of Herschel started to scream and to cry. I don't understand. Herschel lived a life of helping people. People that never had no money for food, no anything, milk, milk for the little children. He stood, he devoted his whole life to making sure that these people had food and drink and everything. He only looked to help people, and you're going to, in his name, for his honor, this is what you're going to call his honor, you're going to kill an entire town? You think this is going to pay tribute to his neshama? This will pay honor to him? The Bezna Shamayla listened and heard what she said, and because she herself was in such a high Madrega, such a high level, because of her charity, because of her tzedakah, the entire Gzeda, the decree was nullified. This was the story the Baal Shem Tev told to the little boy, Shalom Bel, who ultimately was the Rebbe Rashab. Says the Tera, One of the mitzvahs in the Tera of this week's parsha is we should attach ourselves to God. And again, this is discussing the form of tzedakah, where the pasuk says, for those following, chapter thirteen, verse five, Yud Gimel pasuk A. And Rashi explains what is ubeited book. You should attach yourself to God. Attach yourself in His ways. Do what the Ebishter does. Do what God does, and you'll be attached to Him. Rashi says you don't know what that means. Gemil chasadim to gemilas chesed, kindness. Kver Mason buried dead, Bikachel and visit sick. Kimesha Osakadish Barakhu. Just like the Almighty did. Just like the Almighty does these mitzvahs, you should do these mitzvahs, and thereby you will be attached to God. Is this really a way to attach yourself to the Abishta? This is how you're attaching to God. I mean, this is a little bit awkward. So let's scrutinize each thing. What is it based on? What is chesed? What is this kindness based on? Kver mesim, burying the dead, is also in the level Bika Chaylim is also under the category of Gemel Chasadim of Gemilas Chasadim so what is a separate category Gemel Chasadim Gemilas Chasadim is based on Havoyes Mumming loaning money to loan money to a fellow Jew this is called Gemilas Chasadim whether it be helping out a person or whether physically or whether it be financially this is called a, a, a chesed a gemel chesed and many people live in that book, 
but that's because people want to attach to God. So when he says Gemel Chasadim, Rashi doesn't mean this one simple thing of Gemel. Everything it's not an umbrella statement, but rather this way, this concept of Hadbeik Bedrachav, attaching with God. One of the things is Gemel Chasadim, and the other ones are separate entities. But the question becomes when Rashi says, "Bury dead." or visit the sick like the Almighty did what does he mean by that? the source for the words of Rashi we find in the Gemara for those keeping score at home Sechta Saita 14 side 1 and there it says to go after the midas of HaKadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch the Almighty visited the sick as it says in the Pasuk back in Pasuk where the Amish comes to Avram Avinu after his bris so therefore says the Gemara also visit the sick then it says HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kver Mason, the Almighty buried people, buried dead. The Sivayik Ber Esai Bagai. He was buried in Gai, which we'll refer to. Who is that referring to? We'll soon discuss. So therefore also you should bury. So now Rashi has a little bit of a dilemma. The fact that Rashi does not say, Bikr Chaylem, what is my proof, Bikr Chaylem? Because the Ebishta, the Almighty went to visit to be Mevakechela Avram Avinu. It's simple. Because back in Pashas Vayeda, the Pasuk says Vayeda Elav Hashem. And Rashi explains, what did he come for? Levakechela. So the Almighty, so now Rashi says, my Ben Chomish Lamikre, my little boy here that studies Chomish with Rashi, remembers everything he learned. So when he comes to this Pasuk, Ubaitid Bakun, and it says, it says Bikachalim, he knows exactly what I'm referring to. He knows I'm referring to the time where Avram Avinu was visited and had a visit as he was ill after his bliss. So I don't have to again repeat it. Remember also that Rashi was very, very um, not cheap on words. But Rashi made sure that he explained everything very precisely. Didn't mince words, as we would say. He didn't add words that he shouldn't. So if he already explained it once, he relied that you understood it and remembered it from there. So he understood, because you'd remember. But the problem that he has, Rashi, is when he discusses Kver Mesim, he discusses the burying of the dead, Where was it? The Gemara tells us, this refers to the burial of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu did not get buried in Pasha's Re'eh. Moshe Rabbeinu is talking in Pasha's Re'eh. So the Benchamesh the Mikra, in the Pshutish Mikra, does not know of this Pasik, Vayik Bereis Bagai. 
he does not know of this event that happens that Moshe Rabbeinu gets buried. It's only in Zeis Bracha. It's the end of Chumash Devarim. So Rashi technically should explain to this Ben Chumash the Mikra, to this child learning this Pasuk, who does not know that, that the Almighty buried somebody, and should explain what the Talmud explains, what the Yomara says, where the Pasuk talks about that he buries Moshe Rabbeinu. But he doesn't. So if he doesn't, then we obviously have to find out what did Rashi take for granted the Mechamesh and Mikra understood. Obviously, what he says about burying the dead, he's not referring to burial of Mesha. Because then he would have to explain it. And it's not the Pashat Pshat Pasuk. The simple explanation of Pasuk here would not be that he buries Moshe much later in chapter 34. And over there Rashi brings down two explanations. Rashi himself, he buried him. Rashi explains that it was Nebish to himself. Rabbi Shmuel says, Moshe himself buried himself. In that basis, according to Rabbi Shmuel, the Almighty didn't bury Moshe. And if the Almighty didn't bury Moshe, then Rashi cannot be referring to the burial of dead when he refers to Moshe, because Moshe, doesn't, Moshe buried himself. Also, we have to answer another question here. That same Gemara in Satan also says another mitzvah that Hashem does which is also a form of attaching to Hashem, and that's Nichem Avelem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Nichem Avelem paid condolence, paid shiva calls. It says, Vahi Achreimais Avram, it was after the passing of Avraham Avinu, Vahivarach Alekim Ez Yitzchok B'nai, and he came to bless Yitzchok. He was blessing Yitzchok, he was giving him Nichem Avelem, he was condoling him. And therefore, says the Yamara, Af'atem Nicham Avelim, you should also do it. But Rashi does not explain this. Rashi does not add this as one of the ways of attaching to God. So, according to the way we actually study this and the way we learn this, Rashi brings down on this Pasuk, back in Chayesara. Nichemu Tanchume Avelim. That the Almighty came to Yitzchak and he condoled him, consoled him with the words of consolation. Since he adds, though, another explanation, Dovarachar, another explanation, that even though Akadish Baruch gave him the blessings to Avram, he was frightened to bless Yitzchak. And Yitzchak said, let the one that was blessed come and bless me. With all that's good in his eyes. And therefore the Almighty came and blessed him. Therefore it's not, we don't must explain the action that took place where Avram comes to, where the Almighty comes to Yitzchak after the passing of Avram to mean that that was actually Nicham Avelim. 
It could be just because Yitzchak insisted that he gets blessed once again, not just he should get the blessings of his father, but that he should have a blessing from the blesser, from the Almighty. But we go back again to our problem of Kver Mason. When it comes to burying dead, where did the Almighty bury the dead? Rashi explains already that the Almighty buried Arnakayim. There was a burial that, made, that the Almighty did that the Melchomish the Mikra understands. And when you say and you refer, you make a reference to a burial, to a funeral, we know exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about the funeral of Arnakayim. The story of Aaron's passing we find in Pasha's Chukas back in Bamidbar chapter 20 verse 25 and on and the story goes that Meisha, Elozer and Aaron Meisha, Aaron and Elozer his son went up to Herahor Meisha removed the priestly garments from Aaron and put them on Elozer immediately making Elozer the Kayan Gadol Rashi adds that he said to him, said, Go into the cave, and he went in. He saw a bed, a bed was laying, was a made up bed, and a candle that was lit there. Omar said to him, Get on the bed. And he got on the bed. Put out your hands. And he formed your mouth as a form of sealing it. He told him exactly what to do to close his eyes. And the Almighty came and kissed Aaron And with Mrs. Neshika, Aaron passes away. And Moshe Rabbeinu displayed jealousy. He said, I too would like to die that way. A Mrs. Neshika. And the Almighty guaranteed him that it would be as such. The Pasuk finishes. Aaron died there. Elazar and Moshe came down from the mountain. And Rashi adds, only Moshe and Elazar. So when only they came down, the Jews saw only Allah's Amishah, they started to scream, Where's Aaron? And they were told Aaron passed away. And they said, It's not possible. Is it possible the person that stood up against the Malachamavis and he stopped the plague? Now the Malachamavis should be able to kill him? It's not possible. We don't believe it. Moshe prayed to God. Malachi Asharis showed the Jews Aaron lying on the bed with the candle by his head. And now they believe that Aaron had passed away. But it doesn't say and Aaron was buried. In Pasha's Akev though it says Shom meets Aaron Vayikavar Shom. It refers to Aaron's death, and it says, as we spoke when we learned Pasha's Akev, 
it says his birth is Yod Zayt. Shameis Anav Yikover Shameis Yichayin Alozer Bnei Tachtov. He's done his making. Pedik Yud Pasikvov. So now we can ask, by Yikover Shameis, he was buried there. Who buried him? So you answer the two people that were with him, Moshe and Elazar. But Rashi says it's not humanly possible. You're right, Moshe and Elazar were the only two there, and the whole, all the entire Jewish nation, nobody knew that Aaron even died until the Malachim showed them this. So obviously the Jews didn't bury Aaron because they didn't know he was dead. Elazar could not bury Aaron because he was a Kohen Gadol. And the Kohen Gadol cannot become Tomei even to his father. He cannot become impure. Mesha, Mesha also served as a Kohen Gadol. Ultimately his family was demoted to Levi. But he himself always remained status. Once he was status of Kohen Gadol, he did not go down from that status. And therefore he too was not able to become Tommy to make to profane himself with the dead body. So then who buried him? So we have to say that it must have been Hashem. He covered Trump, refers to Akadish Baruch. So when Rashi says now, Kver Mesim like Akadish Baruch, buried dead like Akadish Baruch, the Ben Khamish the Mikra knows right away it's referring to the burial of Arnakayan. still have a little problem with Rashi though I'm afraid what is the reason that Rashi says Kver Mesim he says first Kver Mesim and then he says sorry not why he says it why he has it in this order first Kver Mesim and then Bikachayim first the burial and then the visiting of the sick the normal way of life first you <laughs> told the famous joke the story the guy who wanted a guest for Shabbos but he was very cheap he told his wife I want a house guest I want to invite somebody Friday night to eat she says okay but we have no fish for him you want to have a guest you have to go buy fish so he comes to the store and the guy says exorbitant price for fish he says I'm not paying so much money for fish he says listen mister come back right before I close and I'll see what I can't uh, save over Shabbos I'll give you that no, he comes back right before closing. The guy gives him a smelly piece of herring over there for fifty cents. He grabs it. He runs home. He gives it to the wife. Says, "Quickly cook it." She starts cooking it. The whole house is choking from the smell. And the guest comes. He brings home a guest Friday night. And he tells the guest, "I bought a special fish, especially for you." And he gives him his fish. No, the guest eats the fish. The next day he comes to shul, and he wants to invite the guest again, but the guest's not in shul. So he asks by the other strangers, other guests that were in the guest house, did you see my guest from last night? And they said, He is suffering something terrible. His stomach is griping, he's screaming all night long. He didn't let us sleep. So he goes running to the guest house and he visits him and he pays a visit to the sick. 
Sunday morning he comes to shul and he wants to see where the guest is to find out how he's feeling and he finds out there's a bang on the table the guest passed away and the funeral is going to be at this and this time needless to say he goes and he follows the funeral and he cries bitterly his guest is guest and he comes home and he tells his wife look at this with 50 cents I did the biggest three biggest mitzvahs I had a guest I was Mavakechela and I went to a Levaya. I did all three mitzvahs with only 50 cents. Generally, Bikachelam is before Kibbe Mason. You can't bury them. You can't be Mavakechela. You can't visit the sick once the person died, once you buried him. So when it says, like, like HaKadosh Baruch Hu did, HaKadosh Baruch Hu first visited the sick. And we find it in the order chronologically in the Torah as well. The visiting of the sick was by Avram Avinu, and the burial was much later by Aaron Akayim. So why does Rashi change it? Rashi really is measuring from Akala Lakovit. Ili Achili. He goes from the easier one to the harder one. He starts about Kvudas Amesim. It's taka hard to go to a Levaya, to bury a dead person, but once a person is buried, the person doing the Melavaya is not in much of a danger. However, when it comes to Bikachelim, and a person goes to visit a sick person, it's possible, Chasashalim, you can catch whatever the person has. You come to contact with a sick person with a disease. So the person is jeopardizing themselves. So it's a much bigger mitzvah. And therefore, first Rashi mentions the easier one, then the harder one to be like the Almighty did. So in that case, we also understand why Rashi does not add, like the Gemara does, Nichem Avelum. Paying condolences. Just like I call this Baruch. Rashi explains after Avram passed away he came to give pay his condolences Rashi does not have to write over here about condolence call because since he's going on all the other mitzvahs so much more so Kol if you're talking about Kver Mesim and Bikachelim, obviously you're talking about also Nicham What does this have to do with this tremendous Tircha? With this big, big trouble that a person goes through, the bother? Or the endangerment, endangerment that a person puts through by going through this? And this is therefore called Gligmil Chasadim. Therefore, so much more. Allah has come the Kama, we can say, the Ligmel Chesed, Benichem Avelim. There's no trouble at all with this. There's no, no difficulty, and you can't get hurt. You can't catch anything from the Nichem Avelim. And therefore, the person can definitely do that mitzvah. Give me the grief for this. Um, I'd like to go off the Pasha a moment to go to the Upcoming Yashchedesh, Yashchedesh Aul. Anybody that's available, Monday night, we're having a group going to the Aul.
Erev Shkodesh, 7 o'clock to meet at the oil on Erev Shkodesh El is a very very auspicious day and especially it's considered Yom Kippur cotton by many those who don't keep Yom Kippur cotton all the other Erev Shkodesh so most of the, a lot of them keep it on Erev Shkodesh El present company not included um Shkodesh El is the last forty days. Moshe Rabbeinu went to get the Torah, and we know the story. Story, we know the happening. Sin of the golden calf. And after the sin of the golden calf, the Lucas were broken. Moshe went up for a second set of 40 days. And he was Mispal for the Eden. It was a Shkhedishel that the Almighty said, I will forgive them. And that Moshe was allowed to go up to get the second Lucas. And 40 days later was Yom Kippur. Minik Svard, Minik Anche Svard. Achenu Asfardim, as the Rebbe would say, is from Rishchidish El. They start saying Sadiqot. Since Ronan was born in Rishchidish El, so everybody says Sadiqot the whole month. <laughs> yes, that's definitely a good reason to do so. Marash Chodesh is not his birthday. I said he was born that month, therefore they say Slichot the whole month. Um, when Moshe Rabbeinu went up the third time, <laughs> he dropped parts of my glasses. He went up in the third time, they blew the Shafer as he went up. So that everybody should know and be warned and not fall into Chazal Shalom again, idol worship. Therefore, the custom to begin saying to David Hashem to start blowing Shefer, the custom of blowing Shefer every day. Chabad, we blow Shefer a little different. no, not Anshisfad. I meant Achenu Asfardim. I meant Asfardim, not people that don't Asfard. Many Chabad is from the first day of Shchedish El. We begin to say the Dabar Hashem Eri. In Chabad we say the Dabar Hashem Eri after Shir Shayim by Shachris, before Oleinu by Maidiv. Um, Started, obviously, we said Mincha Shachris. I'm sorry, the first Tereshkedish. But Shefer officially start. We start blowing on the second day of Tereshkedish, and those that practice the first day. But they actually made you find that. Don't yes, throw yes. things. Um. 
Kishafers, then every day, according to Chabad, it's Tashrat, Tarat, Tashat. Tashat, Tarat. Tkir, Shvarim, Truot, Kia. Tkir, Shvarim, Tkir, Tkir, Truot, Kia. And the most of it only blows only the three. Truot, Kia, Shvarim, Truot, Kia. Um. Minig Ha'elam discussed later about Slichis, those who don't say Slichis a whole month, but only say Slichis right before Rosh Hashanah, will discuss how it has to be minimum four days and the reason for it, etc. Billy Nether. Chedish El has many different Rosh Hashanahs, and either Daydi or Daydi Lee. Um, which refers to, of course, what, David, what Shlema Melech refers to, I to my beloved, my beloved to me. The Dabar Hashem Eri itself hints, since it said from the Shredish El until the Shana Rabba, there is hinted Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkis in the words of the Dabar Hashem Eri, Kim Sukkai, Sukkis, etc. The Minik Ashkenaz, I believe, says by Mincha and Mairev, or Shachas and Mairev. They say the Dabar Hashem Eri, not by Mincha. They're busy saying Slichas. And. <laughs> and the other custom, and, and there's also, you know, the other Vesamti Loch. There are many different Rashtavis and of El which all refer to different Avedis of mitzvahs, of tshuva that we need to do in Chedesh El. Now, Terebbe refers to Chedesh El, El as a time of Melech Basada when the king is in the field, which means that each and every person can go out and can ask and meet the king face to face. We don't have to go into the Chadri Chadarim, you don't have to go to the castle, to the palace to meet with the king but the king is already available and accessible to each and every Jew and you can go to meet the king and to be misbelled by the king and the king accepts everybody with a happy face and a joyful face and although Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are the ten from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur are the ten days of Sassim and Shuva where people cry and lament and pray at that point in time we have to pray that the Almighty hears our prayers we know that in the time of Chedish Elul the Almighty definitely accepts our prayers, the Almighty definitely listens to our prayers and therefore it is a time for tshuva, repentance throughout the month leading up to Rosh Hashanah and so in this Shabbos we bench Chedish we bench Mevarachim HaChedish we ask in the meaning Chabad of course to say the entire Tehillim so we ask again everybody to have in mind at least the is bracha, basrach hinda, and all your tilm and all your prayers. Also, mini chabad to start from Rishchidish El till Yom Kippur, and we divide up the whole tilm. Aside from the tilm a day, we say we add every day three kapitlach, three chapters. So the first day Rishchidish El, Aleph Beis Gimel. Second day is Dalit Heivov, etc. And then Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, there are certain extra kapitlach that are added in 
so that by the Matzah Yom Kippur we finish and complete also the entire Tehillim we're talking about about Tfilis and Kapara many years ago there was a fellow who was a part of the parliament of Israel he was part of the party called Mapai at the time Mapai were the hard left Zionists and they were very very popular, very strong he, this fellow himself worked in the library in Tel Aviv and therefore had an opportunity to do a lot of travel, world travel and amongst his world travels for books and for collecting money etc he ended up several times in Crown Heights one of the times that he used to stay by the Rebbe's secretary, Rabbi Binyamin Klein, live and be well. And um, Rabbi Klein used to host all the Israeli dignitaries. That was another part of his, besides being the secretary of the Rebbe. It happened to be one time this fellow showed up who was on Yom Kippur. And okay, he decided he'll entertain everybody. He'll put on a talus, he'll come to Shul Yom Kippur. Understand, please, these hard left Zionists believe in nothing even Yom Kippur excuse me. and definitely not in prayer and he would mock prayer so he was given a machzer and he came with a machzer of Yom Kippur he was laughing his way through it reading through it so many prayers are the same and then he came to the Aveda where it talks about the ten people that the Roman king killed and one of them was Rabbi Akiva as we said we mentioned it before when Rabbi Akiva died as he was dying we're not going to mention the gruesome details he reads there that Rabbi Akiva died and he said the word Shema Yisrael as he passed away and his Tamidim started to cry and the angels were devastated and they said to the Almighty this is what Tera is worth is this the reward for Tera him being killed like this and the Almighty said be quiet one more word I'll destroy the world I'll return it, revert it to as it was before this shocked this guy in this, out of his socks what kind of answer is that God Almighty you kill a guy and people want to complain and you say I'll destroy the world and as he went from one person to the other to get an answer to what this meant, nobody could answer it. Finally, Rabbi Klein took him to an older chassid sitting there. And the chassid said, that's a phenomenal question. It takes deep answer. I'll give you a marshal. I'll tell you a story. We'll try to make this very quickly because we are running against the clock. And the story was of a Jewish tailor that the king, the emperor, had very, very in full great favor the emperor's eyes and the priest obviously could not take it and the priest came up with a plan to get the tailor destroyed by he brought a beautiful bolt of silk and he told the king this is sacred silk holy silk that the church is giving to the king he should have a beautiful garment made up from this and he should know that if any thread of this is missing he is whoever does it is desecrating the church and needs to be put to death 
Anyway, lo and behold, he brought it to the, to the Jewish tailor, and a few weeks later, the tailor came back with a gorgeous garment. As soon as the garment was delivered, the priests came in, a whole delegation, and they made the king swear that he's going to accept the word of the, of the church. And he swore, and he told him that the bolt of there was a few threads, a few pieces missing from the garment. So the king had no choice but to keep his word, and he went and sentenced the Jewish tailor to be killed. And the tailor said, but it's not true, and no matter how he swore up and down, he was not being believed because the church said he did. Excuse me, finally the tailor said, please give me the garment back and and the scissors. The king said, if you're going to cut it, you're going to ruin a piece of the cloth, you'll definitely be killed. He says, don't worry. And very painstakingly, he took apart every stitch, and he opened up the garment, and he re-put it exactly the way it was when the bolt of silk was presented to the king. And he showed how there is not an inch missing of this garment. At which point the king saw, oh, this is talking the right thing. And therefore, the priest was disposed of and the Jew was saved. Said the Chassid, that the Almighty said, one more word, I'll turn the world back to the way it was before, to show you how I created the world, on what basis I created the world, and why I, what I do is right, and there's no wrong in what I do. And therefore, since what you do is right, Almighty, and you say, you say that you forgive us according to our words, we ask that you forgive entire Kal Yisrael, you send the Fuas and Yeshuas to all those that need it, and that this should be a happy month and a healthy month and the birth of happy children, healthy children this month. And we should see this very Shabbos, Rishchidish, it should be blessed in Yerushalayim, Yerakidish, Shabbat Shalom to all. No Kaddish. Shalom, how are you? Where are you at? Adam. Get ready.